Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. Today I've got Gordon Bircham. I first came across Gordon at Nick James's Expert Empires where he stood on the stage and told me his inspirational story. Um, Gordon is a martial arts world champion, multiple world champion. He runs a martial arts business, a franchise and a consultancy business. His story is absolutely inspirational. So um, great to have you here, Gordon. Uh, thanks, buddy. I'm really pleased to be here, Henry. Really, really pleased. Uh, always good. Um, to be associated with great people. So uh, thanks for reaching out and, and looking forward to the podcast. Amazing, amazing. So, Gordon, take me back as far as you need to go um, to tell me your story, because I heard it on stage, but I really want to see sort of where, like really where it started for you, um, you know, back to almost school or wherever you think you want to start to, I just want to start just hearing how you got through life. Yeah, getting through it is uh, probably a, a good good way or a good analogy. Yes, that, you know, I was um, growing up um, at a wonderful uh, family, but was born into a time, really, and this is how I perceive it. I think we're all born pure, aren't we? But to give you an idea, my first recollection of being on this planet was rain beating down on my face in the dark, um, freezing with an itchy blanket on me. It was really dark, it was really dreary, and I remember it's like I, I was just aware of being a, a, alive and my mum delivering newspapers so we could eat. That was my first sort of like induction into life awareness. And around that, my parents worked really hard. They worked, they really, ha- worked really hard and they really struggled and they gr- ground as many parents did in them times. I think it was in a time when, you know, uh, uh, interest rates are 10% or whatever they were. There was no money. So I was born into this, or what I perceived as lack of, even though they give everything they could, there was this lack of and this kind of conflict as well around money and just general conflict in my life. And I remember taking that, um, and obviously when you reflect, I can see where it all came from, but taking that and I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear and I was a very placid young man um, and I remember being at um, primary school and I really struggled to connect. I really struggled to find friends. I was always a little bit different. And in primary school, I had two friends, both were girls and both of them used to beat me up. And I even wore like, I remember I was a bit quirky back then and I had a big earring, you know, you could have like held up the, the curtains with it. It was that big gold one. Like, and I thought <laughs> it was cool. And then all the Mickey taking happened. And then I went to secondary school and Again, I always felt different and I always felt like I didn't belong. And that compounded me to really lack self-belief and love for myself. And then I started to get really bullied um, physically. I remember so bad, I used to ride home from school and try and go to the back. I'd ride really fast. I remember many times I'd ride home real quick, get down into my home, put my bike against the hedge, running and I'll, all I do is I run straight for the VCR, <laughs> which is a bit, if anyone remembers what they are, right? VHS at the time. And I'd look for a video and, and it needed to be a video that was, you know, the longest video. Uh, and I'll explain why in a minute. And I'd put the video on and I'd sit in the chair and I'd be staring at the screen and all I'd be saying was, don't ask me. And I'd be in, don't ask me why, don't ask me why, don't ask me why. And what I was saying to myself is, like, don't ask me why I'm not going outside. 
mom, don't ask me why I'm not going out in my head. And I was in such fear. I wasn't even watching it. I, I, the reason I had it the longest one was so that it would go dark. The reason I had the longest fear was so it would go dark so my mom wouldn't ask me why you're not going outside. I remember it vividly. Because I used to go outside and there was a guy, one guy in particular, he used to just beat the shit out of me. You know, I remember being up against a car and then just punching me and jumping, stamping on me. And I remember the feeling of like just complete despair and just fear and running into my mom. And my mom's quite a strong character and I'd run in crying and she'd hit me, crack. And I'd have to go back outside. So I had this, I don't want to fear. Mm. And it was horrible. And this went on for a, a, fair, a fair while. And my whole confidence in self was completely diminished. I didn't love who I was. I didn't like my name. I didn't like the sound of my voice. I just didn't like who, you know, what I was. And I used to feel I was different. That, that was really, really, really tough. And I used that victim um, mentality. I had that victim mentality for, for all the way through my childhood. I used to have people, and here's an interesting thing now, reflect on it, it's crazy, but I used to just attract them. <laughs> people want to beat me up, like, for no reason. And all I had was this big heart of love for people. Mm. And I remember one day someone coming to me, my, my, it was my best friend at the time, and he came to me to the door, knocked on the door, remember opening the door, remember to this day, opening the door, he got a big beard on him, big straggly hair, a little bit of a hippie. I think he was smoking weed at the time. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and he, he was like, hey man, um, I'm, uh, you want to come to kickboxing? And I was like, you insane. Like the, the one thing I'm fearful of, because I hate getting hit, you can imagine. He said, no, come down, you'll be all right. So I went down, did the classes, and then just carried on doing this martial arts class. And I remember so many times, Henry, like, you know, I was sort of, I just started to uh, drive. Um, I passed my test very quickly. And I used to, it, my, the martial arts place was five minutes from my house and it used to take me 45 minutes to get there because I drive and as I got to the, the, the classes I drive back and I'd be saying go on yes you can no you can't yes and I drive backwards and forwards until finally every time I'd make it outside the car park I'd be in fear I'd have tears down my eyes I'd wipe my eyes and I'd go in and I'd do the martial arts class and very often I'd get battered <laughs> like, and then I'd come back out and then I'd do this was the pattern so this happened a lot and it was just fear. No, you can't. Yes, you can. And it set a pattern for me in my life. And I went on this uh, martial arts journey. I started competing. I remember this first, it's a funny story, right? I, I always tell the story. Like, so I goes to my, my instructor convinced me to go to my first martial arts competition. Okay, so there's a scared lad. The only reason he did sparring is because the instructor said I had to do it, even though I hated it. <laughs> then he said, go to this competition. So we go to this competition. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm sitting at the side. I'm warming up. I put my pads on. I'm stretching down, and it's me, my turn to go on. And as I stretch, and I stand up, and I look up, and I swear to you now, it was Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and Jean-Claude Van Damme all in one. This lad was ripped and he's at the beginning section. He just he jumped, spinning, hook kick. He went round about, he levitated in the air, slumped down, and I'm a beginner. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness. Right? How old were you at this point? Just... I was about 19, 20, right? So I goes into this fight. I get knocked down, no lie, 10 times. Bang. And every shot I got, it felt like I was hit by a bulldozer. And I was on the floor again, and then same feelings when I was bullied came flooding back. I come off the mats, I was in tears. I pulled my gloves off, and I just threw them across there. So I'm never doing this again. This is on the Sunday. 
And on the Monday, I was back in the dojo <laughs> of like going back. Even though I didn't want to do it, I kept doing, going and going and going. And then finally, this is an interesting story, and I want people to listen to this. I went um, and start, I started to win one or two competitions, very low-key competitions, very local, but I won a few. And here's the thing, and I'm sure many of the listeners have had this. Even though I won, I kept telling myself, it was a lucky day. The person wasn't very good. I must have eaten something really well. It was just uh, the right timing. It was a lucky draw. All this was the reason I won was not because of me. It was because of external circumstance. It was just a lucky break. And this went on, Henry, for so many years, you wouldn't believe. I'd lose some, I'd win some. And when I won some, it was just one of them lucky days. I'd be in my bed at night going for, ah, yeah, that's why you won. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> This was what would go on. No ownership at all. Um, and it took me a long time in that journey. Like, you know, um, I, you know I'll, I'll pull back to the other things in a minute. But And it took me a long time to really start to believe in myself. And believe it or not, the, the, in 2012 was a transformational year for me because I won my first British title. And it was in, it was in Manchester in 2012. You know, I've been doing martial arts since 1998. 2012, uh, I won my first British title, but I, I won it really well. And I thought, oh, you had a lucky break. You was in easy, same thing going on, right? Same thing. And I was selected to go and fight for England in Canada. So, and this is, so we trained up far, you know, three times a day, big training program. And this is an interesting story. So as we're getting on the plane with the England team and I'm standing there, I can remember it to this day, I'm reading a paper like this, right? And as I'm reading it, I remember looking up, you know the tunnels where you go into the plane, right? Everyone's there, all in England tracksuits. I remember reading the paper, I remember looking up and pissing myself laughing. And the reason I was laughing, I was going, what the hell are you doing here? Like, why are you going on here? Who have you, what gives you the right to go on here, right? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Um, you're gonna go there, you're just a token really, as like just going over there, as a, you're not really gonna like, achieve much. I was like, Okay, so I went over to Canada, and this was going to be an amazing world championship. So it was told pre we went over. I remember speaking to a martial arts sort of legend, and he said, I remember speaking on the phone, he goes, man, anyone who wins over there this year is going to be, this is probably one of the best world championships ever. The people they've got in there, can imagine me now, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, <laughs> this is the best one. Oh, no, right? Um, so we get over to the tournament. It comes to the prelims. So the way it works in the, in, in, in the fight, you, know, you go to prelims and then, you get to semi-final, and then you'd have to go to the final. So he gets in the prelims, and I gets into the first part on there. Did it? So against an Irish guy, and boom, I won. I was like, "Man, at least you won one, one, one fight at a world championship. It's amazing." Then I fought again against a German. Boom, I beat him. I was like, "That was lucky, wasn't it?" <laughs> I went through the rounds. Then I in the semi-finals, I got to the semi-finals, and I've got this big American guy. Like he's got legs longer than my head, long my whole body, right? And his legs are coming up and he's kicking at me. I go through that really tough opponent and I win. I was like, wow, at least I'm going to get a silver medal. <laughs> <laughs> at least got this far. Well done, right? You can, so it's all this. It was a lucky well done, you know, etc. And then I was in the, I was in the lounge on the night before the final and I'm stretching out. Now, the story goes like this. I had a hip um, pain. So for, over the last few years before this, 
every night I'd wake up with a stabbing pain in my hip. Like it was like someone had got a massive knife and was stabbing me in my hips. My hips were shot. I had an 85 year old hip from all the kicking. I was in so much pain all through the prelims, right? And I was stretching it out and I remember hobbling um, to the, the room. I was, we were talking uh, like with the England team, having a low, low chance, I'm going to my room and something happened. I walked from that, um, that conversation, goes up to my room, goes in the lift, and there was a moment of clarity in my mind. And I said this, if you carry on doing the same thing, you're gonna get the same result. What do you need to change? And I remember going, you know what? I'm gonna start to visualize winning. I'm gonna do something I've never done before. I'm gonna visualize the journey. And literally in the lift, I started to visualize the, how the fight was gonna go the next day. And as I'm going to bed and I'm sleeping, I fall asleep just in this visualized state, like so clear how the fight was gonna go. Everything about the day, how relaxed I was gonna be. And I woke up in the morning as calm as anything. I woke up, as I got up, I got, got up really calm. I got my bag open. I put everything in my bag so precisely and cleanly and calmly. If I'd have had a, an iron, I'd have ironed my boxer shorts. You know, it was that everything was gonna be perfect. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I went downstairs, had some uh, some uh, breakfast. I went on the mats and I was just stretching and I was just like, yeah. And I was visualizing. And it gets to my final. And it's a couple of rounds. So I get onto the mats and as I stretch up, I remember who it's going to be. Now there's this 18-year-old, I'm 35. He's 18-year-old in front of me. He's won everything, right? He looked like the guy in my first ever fight. It wasn't the same guy, but he looked like him. Ripped. He was amazing. He was quality. And I remember standing there. It was like, you know, like this penultimate, like, fight. And I go through the first round, and they're clocking up the points. And I'm going through, and it was a surreal experience. Like, I was there, and I was not there. And I get to the end of the first round, and I remember sitting there, and my instructor looks at me, and he went, look at that, and I'm, a, I'm winning. I goes, wow, at least I won the first one. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it gets into the final round. I'm in there and I kind of, I was just in this zone. It was like I was looking down at myself and I was just flowing through and the whole fight went exactly as my visualization. I was standing there and as I'm standing there, I look at the crowd and they raise my arm, Gordon Bircham, world champion 2012. Everyone shouts, I'm crying, I'm screaming loud. And at that moment in time, Henry, the reason I was screaming and shouting and crying so much, I hugged my instructor, the reason I was so elated, it was, wasn't the world title and it wasn't the gold medal. It's because I'd beaten my biggest demon, which was myself. And I'd beaten that person who didn't love and like himself. I could finally, in this world, respect the person that I was. And I remember standing on that po podium with so much love for myself and so much thanks to the world and my trainers that was the day I was born. Love that. That's the person that you hear now, you see now. Um, uh, well, I was born that day. And for the last decade, I've been on a massive mission of transformation. Um, in my, everything changed from that day. I went and won three consecutive world titles, obviously. <laughs> yeah, because now I can do it, right? I won. I, by the way, um, so in 2012, um, was when I won my first world title. In the February, so this was in the October, in the February, I had my hip replaced of the 20, 2013, and I fought again in the World Touch Championships in the November, and I won it again. Then I won it the following year again, and then I gave up. But um, I, I hung up my gloves. 
Um, and I've just been on this massive journey, really, uh, of transformation. So that's my martial arts journey. I've obviously got a business as well. Yep. Can we just, I want to pick up on a couple of points through that. So, because um, there's a lot of information for our listeners there, but certainly get what you mean growing up with that time, the 10%. My parents, like, they were like, just worked all the time. They were working more than me than being around, which wasn't a, too much of a detriment to my childhood. But again, you just left to your own devices quite often. So I could completely relate to that. But going to, see, so you went on this journey of martial arts, which, you know, is a, it's, it's, kids are ruthless and the bullying it must have been really tough to take mm. but would you say that was a key factor into then your journey of then going on to into the martial arts and getting like that guy that came to your door do you think you attracted him to your door like was, yeah. was that something that you bought you, you pulled in because of that heart of love that you had yeah i i think so and 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 yeah i think it is a, a destiny or whatever you want to call it it was meant to be i attracted the, them into me absolutely it was tough times uh, and I'm so thankful for that, to that guy um, who knocks the door and invites me down because it's unbelievable. And there's many situations along the journey where I could have quit as well, like loads of times. But I, I kept going and I kept doing it, which I think is massively important. And what would you think was that drive that kept you going? Uh, do you know what? Um, my tough mother. Like them times when she say, every time you get knocked down, get back up, that's how you win the bits where I hated her for it, where I hated her to keep, you know, I'm scared, I'm, you know, I'm in fear. That made me tough, even though I didn't like it, even though it looked tough from the outside, from everybody else, she made me strong, 100%. And I didn't realise, you know, I didn't believe I was tough at all. I thought I was so weak, it's unbelievable. But the more I've gone through, I've got some more stuff I'd love to share with you on the business journey as well. And it shows that, you know, you know we're... <laughs> Everything that happens to us happens for a reason. And our failures are our strength, you know, because they're where we grow wiser. They're where we go stronger, you know. And I think, you know, the strength definitely comes out from getting knocked down many times and getting yeah, back up. Getting back up. Absolutely. It's the mental, physical, and emotional muscle, isn't it? Yeah. I love what you said about failure. And obviously this podcast is all about failing forward, which is essentially, you know, it's it's the learning, it's the experience, it's the continuous and going, not giving up and keep moving forward and just learning from from all those failures. So it's really interesting what you're saying about the belief thing and, and having that moment of the visualization and then not believing in, in yourself up to that date. Um, I've been doing reading a lot about sports psychology at the moment and how even a lot of sports people have this um, fixed mindset um, and even professional sports players and they'll they, you know they'll need to have certain things to in line to be able to then perform well because you know they don't have that growth mindset they're thinking well I need to have my special watch on and my my sheets and stuff but whatever it is that they they have so that turning point which is really interesting what sort of mindset do you think you had before that to then that turning point of the visualization and and just to just to add on to that question where did the visualization come from was that an epiphany moment or did you have someone that was coaching you mentoring you giving you that information yes it's a it's a great question my mindset before it was like yin and yang so it was absolutely i'm not good enough like the mindset i wasn't good at anything i did that and that it was like it was always negative. It was a negative mindset. It was a negative feeling. Like I just didn't believe in myself at all. And that was the biggest thing, right? So it came from a negative. Um, I think I took from my childhood, I took from that and made like everything around me, that negative mindset was 
through everything. Like it was her habitual. And, and I think that, you know, it was the story I kept, you know, one of the things I teach people now is the most important story is the one you tell yourself every single day. You know, I'm a massive advocate of that story. It's not what other people say about you, it's what you say about you. It's that story. And that was the, that was the learning. I constantly looked in the mirror the, the, and, and said in my head so many times, you're not good enough. You're not brave enough, you're not strong enough. And that was the mindset. But when I changed the story, everything changed out outwardly. So what you're saying here becomes a reality here, right? It's think and grow rich, right? It's, it's mindset all the time. It's what you think is what's more important than what you think and feel is massively important. So that for me is crucial. So the story you tell yourself, and I think you have to change that internal dialogue. And the, re the reality is we can all change that. That's what I learned from that is you can all change that, you know? We're, we're, I always say, if I'm okay, swear on here. Oh, <laughs> we're no, all... you, we're, uh, this is a swearing podcast. So you can crack <laughs> okay, on. We're all bullshitters. We're bullshitters. Like f fear, for instance, you know, false evidence appearing real. Everyone knows the acronym, right? It's bullshit. Like you're just, you've got to bullshit yourself. You've got to be a better bullshitter. <laughs> you've got to convince the mind. Like your job is to, like, you you know, I think the old uh, thing of fake it till you make it in America years ago was actually quite clever, really. People were saying, oh, but actually all they're doing is they, like, they're raising their standards in their mind. They're changing the narrative. You know, most people's stories in their mind is a horror story. You know, you need to make it a love story. You got to make you got to, that self love is so important. So that was my mindset, and then the trigger, like, what was the the next question after that, um, Henry? It was just at that point that you had that moment, and then you went, "Oh, I'm going to visualize tomorrow winning." Where where did that come from? What was that moment? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I think it was definitely an epiphany. It wasn't taught to me at all. This was not taught. This was just. I think I'd come to a point in my life, and many people will, where you've absolutely like you you've had enough. And I think I was like, I can't carry that on. I've come this far. I didn't come this far to get this far, to come this far. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to change it. And the biggest learning for that was for things to change, I must change. You know, I can't expect anything external to change. I can't expect to win if I don't change. And it was like, ah, so if I change, the result changes. And that was the difference. What am I going to do different to get a different result? I was like, okay, I'm going to visualize. And you know what? I'm going to go so deep on it. And so it was definitely an epiphany. It was definitely a, just come from nowhere. And it was probably one of the greatest decisions of my life because it allowed me to win. And it allowed me then that, that winning, that, that, you know, my arm being lifted, that transformation. It's so powerful, isn't it? You know, I say, I think it's a Tony Robbins quote, it's in moments of decisions that you create your destiny. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you're saying about fake it to make it. Like I've, I did an episode recently about winging it versus self-development and how you need to have some wing it and you need to learn some stuff, which is good. But if you just learn, 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 and you're never going out and doing it, then you, you, you won't get the compromise right. And I was winging it for years in business, but I did it without any self-development, hence losing, <laughs> losing everything. So Absolutely. You need balance, right? You know, you can be a, 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 a <laughs> people read books all the time. I'm like, yeah, you're, I know this. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I'm glad you know it. You're a human being, not a human knower. You know, you you may know it, but are you being it? Are you actually taking action? If you look at the world, anyone can listen, who's listening in right now, ask the question, what do I know that I'm not applying? And it's a great question because knowledge is not power. It's applied knowledge that will create anything. And most people are 
you know, this is the problem with the self-development world, right? Everyone's reading the book. Oh, I know the secret. I've read the books. I've read this. I've read Think and Grow Rich. I know that. Amazing. But when you look at their actions, they're not being it. They're not taking action. They're not doing it, which is basically what you're saying, Henry. You know, it's in action is where you create your dreams. Absolutely love in that. Yeah, love that, Gordon. That's, yeah, you've hit the nail bang on the head there. So absolutely love that. So you then go on and win um, another two world champions. And at that point, you then, the business stuff starts happening, right? So tell me about that. Yeah, and I need to backtrack because it's like... Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Go where you need to go, it's cool. <laughs> so as I'm going through that martial arts journey, um, I, I set up a martial arts school, um, you know, in... It, funnily enough, in what was it? Mm, yeah, two thousand something like that, and and I was building a martial arts school, and like anything in martial, like in anything, like you, you, I was a good teacher, but I had no an idea about business. But anyway, I built up my school, got a full time little full time facility. It was a sports and social club. We gutted it and turned it into martial arts facility, and I'm building this business, and like from. From a sports hall, we had 55 members. And like in six years after getting the full-time facility in 2002, we grew it to 75. Like that's how bad I was. Like we had 55 members. I was like, get a full-time facility, it's gonna be amazing. But the reality was I wasn't good at business. And I kept driving and trying to do things. I was on YouTube and trying to learn stuff, right? Until one day I woke up and um, I turned to my wife, had a tear in my eye, and I had to tell her we'd lost the house we'd built for 10 years. That was a real low point for me. Uh, and we literally, we couldn't afford the home that we'd you know, had a mortgage on for 10 years. It was horrendous. And I had to get them out. I went to the bank manager, and this is an interesting story. I went to the bank manager, and I remember it now, sitting in his chair, he's leaning back. And I'm asking him if we can extend our overdraft because we we're in the trouble. And he looked down and he laughs at me. He says, I'm not lending you any more money. You will be bankrupt in two months. And that was like being bullied. I remember thinking, you fucker. Right, because the way he had his smoke, the glasses on, it was like, wow. I walked out of there and I was like, you ain't keeping me down. Well, I took my, my family into the cheapest three-bedroom house on the street. It was the cheapest one to rent. That's what we needed. Um, it had old carpets in it, it stung. And we were living on £25 a week for food. We'd have, it's so funny, me and my wife talked about this the other day, we'd go and we'd get the pasta and we'd get tomato sauce and we'd make sure we got some of the cheapest uh, cheese so that we could sprinkle it on top, top so it tasted nice. We'd go and buy the cheapest, like, we're, like we were so good on our budget, that's because we had to be, right? We had to scrimp and scrape. And there was papers everywhere. I started drinking heavily. I, I, as a male, you know, and this is just how I think, Very a lot of males, we... We're very simple creatures. We want to provide and protect. If we're doing that, we feel like we're, we're, we're serving and doing what we need to for our families. When you can't do either, I didn't feel I was protecting my family and I didn't feel I was providing. I felt bad and I was in a mess, a real mess at times. And, and I went down and deep into other things and it felt really low. And, you know, I used to go to the bank every single day, Henry, with pound coins. And they'd have to put these pound coins in to stop me going over the overdraft. I was in this reactive fear state, trying to make it work. And I was going to lose my martial arts business. And I remember an email coming in about helping people build, like, like build their martial arts schools. I was like, wow, this is the thing, right? 
And this was in 2009, I think. 2008, nine. And I remember speaking to the guy. I phoned him up and he was like, yeah, we can help you. I, I really liked him. And, he said, and I said, brilliant, this is what I need. I'm going to lose my business. I'd have ended up going to work for someone, no question. And you know, I said, how do we get started? He goes, it's just £3,000 for three months in 2009, right? And I'm like, are you insane? Like, I can't even, like, I've got £25 a week to live on for food for, my, for me and my family. Like, what are you on about? And I remember putting the phone down. And I remember thinking, do you know what? If you carry on doing the same thing, the same result, like, what are you going to do, right? So I was like, okay, stuff it. Right, we'll just sell what's in the garage. <laughs> we'll sell stuff. I just borrowed a little bit of money. I think it was off my friend or my mother-in-law. I can't remember now. And we paid for this program. And <laughs> as we paid, we paid for the program. It was great. And we're waiting for our first phone call. And as I'm sitting down we're on this bed in this spare bedroom in this rented place, we're waiting. Imagine this. On the bed, there's a phone. And me and my wife are lying looking at the phone, right? <laughs> and we're there, oh. we're like, right, 10 o'clock is calling, right? It's 10 past 10, no phone call. So looking at it again, okay, half 10, no phone call. And I'm going, oh my goodness. Like we've given this person 3,000 pounds that we haven't got and he's done us over. Quarter to Quarter to 11, no phone call. Oh, my God. I'm trying frantically. And then finally, about an hour later, we get a phone call from him. I'm so sorry. I've been stuck in a snowstorm. <laughs> like, it called. I couldn't get it. I was like, oh, my goodness, right? So we rearranged. I remember it to this day, right? Oh, thank God for that. Rearranged it, got on. And I remember him saying to me, like, where are you at? And we were turning over 2,800 pounds a month. I remember it, Emery in the business. Now, bear in mind, that was turnover. We had to pay the rental on the premises, and that was to pay me and my wife as well, and all the rates. There was nothing left at all. You can imagine, there's nothing there at all. Um, and we're like, we, we, we've got no choice. I said, I want to £10,000 a month come in my head. He goes, we can do that in 18 months. Are you ready? And he goes, right, we're going to do everything. And he's like, you need to do everything. Now, let me explain the mindset. So I'm still in 2009. I'm not quite there yet, right? It was a mindset, 2008-9. I said, right, I'm going to do, I said to my wife, I'm going to do everything that it tells me to do. I'm going to do it all to the empty league so I can prove it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do everything, right? So my mindset was this. Every time I do, I'd be like, this is how I did it. He said, do this, right? Bang, I've done it. What's next? He went, bang, I've done it. What's next? Yeah, I've done it. What's next? Do this, I'm doing it. Even though some of it challenged me, we changed it. I was like, yeah, done it. What's next? And he kept coming out, whoa, what's next? And we just worked really hard. And me and my wife for 16 hours, 17 hours a day, we used to go around with a pram and delivering leaflets into beauty salons and into, you know, just did everything we needed to do to completely change the model of our martial arts business. And I remember it now vividly. I remember two and a half months later, I remember having the phone call again, just so elated. We'd done over 10,000 pounds in a month. And it was so, I get goosebumps now. I just think about that. It's very emotional for me because it's very, he it was like, oh my God, no one's ever done anything close to that ever in our in their coaching business. But what it, what it cemented for me and what I want to share with everybody here is it's that isn't that you can't, it's that you haven't learned to yet. And that's what I learned along that process. It's like, it's never that you can't, 
is that I hadn't learned how to. I was a good martial artist, but I didn't know how to run a business. And it cemented in me an absolute passion to, of self-development. It cemented in me to go all out and spend hundreds of thousands of pounds <laughs> over the last well over a day, nearly 14 years now, whatever it is, in self-development, in mentorships, uh, masterminds, etc. And I just went on this mission of development. And, you know, that, that kind of brings us in line then with the world title and you can see how it all, all parallels. Then that transpires into building my martial arts empire, which I have now. And uh, it allows me to, to get what I have. We've got a 9,000 square foot martial arts facility. We, you know, in our one location in rugby, we've got over 600 members here. Uh, we've built, we've got, we have now got five franchises. Uh, but along that journey, I built in, in two, eight years ago, which is, what's that now? Two, 2014. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 2014. Um, I created a consultancy business because I'd been through such a, uh, you know, a parallel, loads of different things in my life. One of the things was that real pain I had losing my house. And I was like, I got to a point, I went to a progressive property. Um, it was a, a property seminar. And, I, and, I, and then I ended up doing their courses. And <laughs> as, the, as we all do. <laughs> as we all do, right? So it's this journey. But here's the interesting thing that people don't know. There's a guy called Paul Preston. And as we're on this um, training thing, I've been through them all. This was the last course I was going on. It's so mental, this is, Henry, right? And I remember and I was searching to do something and I thought property would be good. And what I seen was this, and I always tell Paul this every time I uh, see him or connect with him, I seen how progressive property had 800, 800 um, properties, etc. But then I seen this massive, and I remember him drawing it, this massive spike in their education. So they taught people how to build their own property portfolio. And honestly, I sat there and this is what I thought. Martial arts business mastery. Helping martial arts school owners build successful martial arts schools. And I went from there in the break and all I did was I learned some of the stuff and I went and I did, I set up a Facebook group and it was called Martial Arts Business Mastery. And I did a live video and invited some martial arts schools in there. And it was just about helping martial arts school owners because of the pain I had and didn't want them to, to suffer. And that has transpired into us helping hundreds if not that well thousands directly and indirectly i've written a book that's been read globally i've we've disrupted an industry uh, many people say that we've changed the industry in the uk forever um we've it's been one of the most amazing experiences of my life to be able to run a coaching consultancy business helping school owners around the country uh, and around the world now um, really build their school so they don't have the pain I felt. Um, so we built that consultancy business, which has been phenomenal, all based on personal growth and personal development, and all about failings. Absolutely love that. And do you know what? This is so this is so resonates with me because I know we connected when we were at um, at Nick James's Expert Empires, but like your story is very similar to mine. Like I lost everything in my tree surgery business uh, three years ago. Sold family home, went through all that pain over drinking, and then not being able to provide, and all those feelings. So when you're talking about that, I was like, fuck, like <laughs> I get that that it's horrible place to be. Um, and then I've done exactly as you, I, about two years later, I met Rob Moore, um, went to Progressive Property, done all their training, want to do property because I want to have some asset. Don't love property, but want the security of it, but sat there and went, oh, okay. And now I run a tree surgery business owners mastermind 
and help tree surgery businesses so they don't have to go through what I went through. So when you're saying that, I was like, fuck, this is so fucking similar. Um, and listeners, I didn't know all of this beforehand. I knew a bit of what, what Gordon did, obviously, from his story. But like he's at this whole story. It's just, I mean, it crosses over so, so well. And, you know, I'm right at the beginning of that journey because we're six months into the tree surgery mastermind. We've got 10 people on a mastermind and, and looking to grow that. But again, it's this, that feeling of wanting to give back and serve and help people because probably like you, like I realized that all the material things, especially before I had my business went under, they, they make you happy, but only for a so, so, so amount of time and you want another faster car and another faster car or a boat or whatever it is, that makes you happy for a little bit, but actually the happiness comes when you're giving back and it's like a double-edged sword. You get to make some money and you get to change an industry, like you said, help people. So um, yeah, I absolutely love your story there, Gordon. Like, Thank it's you. Amazing. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been phenomenal and you know, the learning around that and there's, there's some of this that, you know, for me, you know, and a part of this journey, one of the most amazing things of this journey for me personally, and it's a message I share is, you know, I think that I do what I love and, and I do that, you know, a bit like you said, you doing what you love. I would absolutely recommend that everyone, you know, we only live on this planet once and, you know, doing what you love is probably one of the most important things you know you only every the most precious thing we have is our time you know money you can make it's the easiest time in history to make money but you can't make time time goes very quickly and if you're spending your time doing things that you think you should do rather than what you want to do you're not going to be living happy living life happy i wrote a book called live life happy uh, when my father died in 2019 it was one of the worst times of my life and um you know, when your hero dies, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough. And um, I remember he had, a, he had a myotonic dystrophy, a muscle wasting disease. Uh, and in the end, he fell down the stairs and broke his neck. And that was horrible. That was how I had to come from Devon. I remember going to see him. He broke his neck and they said he'd be okay. I went away from the bed, went away for a couple of hours. And then my mom found me in tears that my dad had died. It was horrible. I had to go back over. But there was something really special that I really want to share, and I share this for my, my father, because whether I do a podcast, I think it's very relevant to us all, is as he lay there and I'm looking at him, there was an, an energy that I got from his soul, that he, yes, he'd passed away, and it was around regret. And one of the most empowering things, and I thought it was my own regret, and of course I had regret of not seeing him more, and et cetera, et cetera, but I flew to France and a couple of days after my mom wanted me to go, I'd already booked the holidays. She said, look, we're not gonna do anything. I've got all, all the other kids, please go. She begged me to go. So I went to France and I went there to write my book called Live Life Happy. And I wrote that book in my dad's honor and his name, but in the learning and the wisdom that he gave me from his energy that was as he'd passed. And it was around not living life with regret. It was around living life now, living life happy, you know, and what, how, what, what, how do you live life happy? Well, you do what you love. Yeah, you do what makes you smile. Yeah, you remove the anger and the regret and etc. You embrace the failures, which is what this part, yeah. You learn, you grow up and you realize what it really is. And it was like so empowering because, you know, that book was written because I, you know, my mission now, my absolute mission is to help the world smile more. Like, you know, if you look around the world, we are living tough times, but really, what is it tough really? Are we making it? Is, is that what we're forced to believe? You know, the reality is, you know, we live like kings and queens, especially in the Western world, of course. 
you know, we've lost the art of, of gra gratitude. We've lo we've, we're spoiled brats even, aren't we, when you think about it, right? And really every day, if you are, you know, if you're breathing, it's going to be a phenomenal day. If you've got your family, it's a great day. And very often we forget that, you know, the journey, Henry's journey, my journey, anyone else's journey is just a journey. What's most important is what, how you feel in the present right now. And guard that like a treasure, guard your time, guard your happiness, it's as important as oxygen, you know, and if you don't, if you're not feeling happy, do something that makes you smile more. And that's important on your journey, you know, because if you are, if you're unhappy, if you're sad, if you're not, you know, you're not feeling fulfilled, if you're ha not happy in a relationship, what are you doing there? When are you going to change that? If you carry on doing the same thing, you get the same result. You know, happiness is a creation. I just wanted to share that because I think it's massively important you brought it up. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it's that I uh, talk about it, the def definition of insanity, um, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But you're right. We do live in a, in a, in a good in good times. You know, Nick always says what a time to be alive. Right. And, you know, you we, we perceive life of how we look at it. And if we spend time on our phones, watching the news and reading the papers and like filling our mind with negative shit every time I, I don't look at the news that often. But when I do, I go, oh, God, fucking you look at that every day and you're going to be unhappy because you think the world's ending and i mean the news has been saying the same thing for for decades you know with different just stuff that's going on so it's what we put in our minds isn't it it's what we fill our minds with or do we fill it with abundance and happiness and nice things or do we fill it with shit you and know it's massively important absolutely you know you remember you are the creator mm. you know the reality is full ownership i remember you know um, one of the biggest things by the way of success that i've learned the biggest learnings for me is to absolutely take full responsibility for everything in my life. Take the full responsibility for every argument and conflict, because I'm the common denominator. Take full responsibility for my abundance or lack of it. Take full responsibility for my happiness. Take full responsibility for my sadness. Like, you create it, and once you, like, I think it was a great quote I heard years ago, the day you pass from childhood to adulthood is when you accept full responsibility for everything in your life. That is where your, your happiness will lie because you, you can't change anything external. You can't change the government. You can't change the weather. You can't change people. But you can change yourself. You can change your state. You can change your thinking because you are the creator. That's where your happiness lies in pure freedom where you own everything in your life. You say, I create it. That's power. That's internal. It's you power, I call it. You know, Love that. Love that. I talk about that a lot when my business went under. I had to be accountable and have responsible for what happened and could have blamed everyone else, but I would have just not learned anything. And that responsibility, when you go, it's hard because we've all got egos, haven't we? And we don't want to hold ourselves too much, like, you know, give ourselves a hard time. But actually, you're exactly right. Just holding yourself responsible. Like, we are the only ones that can make the stuff happen um, and, and, and make change and go, right, okay, I fucked up, but this is what I'm going to do to move on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely loving this interview, Gordon. Like, absolutely golden nuggets for everyone here. So this is amazing. Always ask yourself the question, how can I be better? It's just a wonderful question. If you have an argument with your partner, don't blame your partner. Ask yourself, how can I be better? What could I have done different? That's where you're going to change it. It's interesting, isn't it? It's so simplistic. And you know what? Ego is the enemy. Like if your ego, your ego, you're absolutely right, Henry. If your ego, if you let your ego get in the way, right, it will stop your growth. Like, you know, you've got to own it all. How can I be better? How can I be wiser? How can I be a better father, a better 
husband, a better wife? How can I be a better business person, a better employer? You know, we teach this as well, by the way. It relates to martial arts, Henry. Like, we, I teach instructors this to say, oh, the kid's not getting it. And we're saying, well, you, where do you need to teach better? <laughs> that you're not translating the information, own that stuff. Don't say the kids are pain in the butt. You know, children don't go, oh, I'm going to be a pain in the butt today. They don't do that. You know, an employee doesn't go, right, I'm going to really screw it up today. No, 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 no. The employee wants to do their best. How are you like, have you recruit, you, did you recruit them wrong? Like, what do you, where is your ownership? Where have I not trained them? How can it be better? How can we be a better leader? That's what leadership of self and people is all about. And that's where happiness lies because you can control it. Yeah, I love that. Ownership, responsibility, accountability. It's what, you know, it's, it's the, the, way, the way it is. And you're right. As a business owner, we are the controller. I've always said, like, if, you, if someone goes and hurts themselves on site, the director of the business is the one that's liable and it always comes back to us. And, but that's the same with management. If someone goes and fucks up on site, that's down to how maybe how we've managed them, the, the environment, the kit, all this kind of stuff. And it's so easy to just go, oh, he was, he's a dinlo, oh, he's a donkey, we've got another donkey wagon. But well, actually, have we done the right things to, is he, you know, have we done all the right things? And it's so easy to just to, 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 to get that off. So yeah, absolutely love that. You're exactly I think right. call it, we call it above or below the line. You yes. know, if you're, yeah. if you're below the line, you're in blame, your excuses, denial, you know, or if you're above the line, you know, ownership, accountability and responsibility, you're rowing in life, you know, and, you know, above or below the line, it's so simple, isn't it, in this concept. But if you look at the living world, you know, where, it, like listening to this guy's own this, and some of you will not want to hear this, this is the truth, you will switch off because it's really difficult to own it all. You say, well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't ask for the car accident. Yeah, but you got in the car. You chose to go in the car. Like, like own that stuff. You chose to go down that route. It's hard to accept. I know. But that's where you can change it, you know. Ask yourself the question, am I blaming or am I owning? And you'll find very often you're, this is conditional, you know, this conditioning. You've been conditioned to point the finger. There's three pointing back at you. You've been you're conditioned to point externally because it's easier. But strength is when you own it. That's where your strength is. That's where your power is as a human being. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely love that. And and you know you're a hundred percent right. I didn't get the above and below the line to start off with. My my first ever coach was always saying it to me, and and suddenly it started to click in, and I started getting it because I'd have all these problems, and he'd be like Henry. He'd be he gave me a poster actually, and he'd point to it and go, "Have a look at that," and I'd be like, "Yeah, but it's his fault. It's his fault." <laughs> he'd be like, "Look," and I'd be like, "Fuck off! I just want to blame someone, right?" Because he was angry, and I was annoyed that shit wasn't working. Um, so yeah, um, so. So we talked a bit about mentors and masterminds. So how much of that was, um, you know, a, an impact on your life? And, and, and what did that do for you with your business and your, and your journey? And everything? everything, everything. I would not be where I am today without having any mentors. Like, and it doesn't mean I'm beholden because I created everything. N number one, and this is important to understand. This took me a while because, by the way, do you go through an evolution when you've got mentors? Yeah, because sometimes when you first get a mentor, you think that my whole world's going to fall apart if I leave them, right? You know, because now you think it's them. Ultimately, you create it. So that's number one. But they are your guide in light. They see what you don't see. They see that basically related to martial arts again, mate, right? I relate everything to martial arts. Same. When you're on the mats and fighting, you need the coach to go, don't go there. Go step to the right, step to the left. He's open here. Move here. Go here. That's what a coach does. A coach 
sees from afar what you can't see up close. So you're going to be, you, you know, you, can, you don't read a book here, you know, close to your face. You read a book here so you can see the words. Now, a coach allows and sees and is your, is your guiding light to help you say, no, go there, go there. They shortcut your road to success. They help you. They give you wisdom. They give you support. They give you guidance. And they allow you to get out of your own head. In your head, you're dead, right? You get out of that head and they allow you to see it from a different angle and a different perspective. So that's what coaching and mentoring does. Masterminds are on a different level. Like I'm a coach, a consultant. I coach many people from different walks of life. And, you know, I'm really a mindset coach now, you know, because I just believe everything starts here. Once you sort this shit out, you can be. <laughs> anything right yeah and if you say i'm a mindset coach you know, it? wishy-washy people think they need to know understand marketing what they need to know no they need to sort out the mindset first everything's around mindset so i help them with that um and but the great thing about masterminds is you get to sit in a room with so many different minds and everyone's sharing their challenges and their what's winning for them and their what's not and you know, being coached and mentored in a group environment is probably one of the most empowering things. What you learn from a mastermind, which is not one-to-one -one coaching, I think, I believe, is the things you never even knew you needed to know. That's what happened. From other people, well, other people's experiences. Because now you've got a power of mastermind. People go, it's only group coaching. It's that. No, 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 no. You've got to understand it to sit in it. And, and that's why I've spent so much money on masterminds and programs and coaches and surround yourself and... You know, I was on. I, was, I closed some masterminders in my own programs this last week, and I said the most important thing about it all is surrounding yourself with people who are going to drive you to pull you up to a higher plane, who think at a different level. You know, you are a result of the people you surround yourself with, and that's what masterminds are about. So massively important. Absolutely love that. Love that. Yeah. And that's what I try and tell a lot of people in the tree surgery industry as well, because not many people are coached or mastermind and they think I'm doing some sort of woohoo stuff. Like what's the, what's this mastermind masterclass? And it's trying to educate people that this shit really works and it can really help people go on to the next level and learn. Tell me more about your, um, your, you see, you've, you did your consultancy. You had, so at this point, because you had your dojo or your or your place that was struggling back when you had to sell your home, you did the consultancy and you carried that going? Did that carry on going or did you just go into the... No, I've had a... Yeah, so do you mean my consultancy? Do you mean me consulting or being consulted? Yeah, so you met this guy, just to rewind, who you gave three grand to, you gave this money to, he helped in your business and then that... The, the, that school carried on going and then you yeah, started your consultancy. Yeah, we yeah. carried on. I kept co being coached. I've never stopped being coached since that day. Yes. Always had a mentor, two or three, I've got two or three mentors, three, three mentors now. Yeah, I've carried on, but my school carried on. We grew and developed that martial arts school. Uh, we outgrew it. We're in it. By the way, uh, this is probably a cool part of the story. So you're talking 2009, the biggest recession ever up to date. Okay, and our martial arts school grew bigger in 2008, 9, 10, 11 than any other time in history. And the reason being is we didn't sign up for the uh, for the um, the recession. We decided we weren't going to join the recession. <laughs> I love that. We were talking about it, but we decided not to sign the paperwork. And while everybody else had stopped marketing, we doubled down on our marketing. Literally, no, no lie here, Henry, they were hanging out the doors. We had to move another premises again because our mindset has shifted. It's all about education. We want to learn, grow and evolve. Then we moved to our third location 
And then finally, we moved into this in 2019 is when we moved into this uh, facility here. Yeah, so we carried all that on. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Love that. And then now, so you've got you've got that place, you've got your consultancy, and now you're doing franchises? Yes, we're doing franchises now. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it was born in December 2021. So it was an idea in 2021. And it was like, you know, I was like, okay. And what I did was I did a, a, a partnership with someone who could like, one of the big things that I've learned along my mentorship journey is you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Your job as a human being, absolutely as a human being, is to find out what you're good at and do that. Everything else, outsource it. This is a massive learning. So I, I don't understand franchises as such, and I don't want the detail of the procedure writing. I don't want the detail of the lawyers and all that. I'm brilliant at delivering what we do, but I'm not good in the the operational side of a franchise. So I found someone who's built franchises before and we JV together. Now I'm gonna cut, again, it's like a mentor, cut down the middle and we launched, um, we've launched five franchises. Uh, the first one launched in February, 2022. Uh, and now I'm about to sign the contract for eight in Northern Ireland and five down south in Surrey area. Love that, absolutely love that. So on to the next level now then. We've got it all mapped out. Our vision is big. It's 400 franchises in the UK, and then we're going to scale it globally. Love that. Love that. And that's all going from a place of like not being able to feed, think you feed your family on 25 quid a week, and now you've grown this. So inspirational. Absolutely love that. Love. That. It's a, it's been a, it's been a journey, and you know what? And the, what I want to share with you here is it painful? Yes, every day. Is it? A, yes, but we're failing forward. We're yeah. failing forward every single day we're failing fast we do things that don't we go again we fail and the big thing i love i think this is the name of the podcast is that it right? is fail forward phenomenal name because in you've got to embrace your failures as your biggest asset your biggest ally to success because failure is where you grow like i want to fail so fast Right. I want to I want to I want to every single day. I think I made this analogy. I'd say this to kids when we teach kids. I allow myself to fail 20 times a day. Anything more than that, I'm not too happy with. But 20 is a nice number in my world. They all look at you and go, huh? <laughs> perfection in the world. Perfection is the enemy of success. Trying to be right. You're like, perfection is an illusion. Fuck perfection. Fuck, yeah. fuck perfection. Get in action. Like if you're doing it, you're learning. Fail fast. Ah, right. And literally we're building these franchises so fast because we're learning fast we're failing faster than most people are willing to try yes absolutely love that fail love more that. than most people are willing to try that's where you want to that's where you're going to grow and you're going to go in there and by the way is it failure that word of failure you never fail you win or learn you win or you learn so remove that negative uh, context around that word remove the word failure and say i'm winning or i'm learning that's it i'm in and that's where like that's where you're gonna embrace it and go forwards and go, yeah, what did I learn today and where did I win? That's what it's all about. Absolutely love that. That can be more bang on for this podcast and so many episodes I've talked about that in, in the past and about that the failure and the learning and yeah, you're right. It's just trying to there's this mindset around perfect and like I just think perfect isn't a thing. Like people want everything to be perfect. It's never gonna be perfect. It's just part of experience and learning and moving forward. So uh oh, this this the this reason I think as well here, Henry, just to just to jump in on that. 
like they're so fearful of being rejected or judged. They're scared. Like, like if I fail, how am I going to be perceived? How will I perceive myself? How will I be perceived by the world? Fuck what other people think. Like you, like you wanna, you wanna fail so much, like, that you win so, so you you win so high, right? Like so, just be the greatest failure on the planet. There you go. Like, yeah. just be, like you study successful people, which and listen to Henry. He's got a great subject here. When you can embrace it, you're gonna win more than anyone else because most people are so damn scared to fail. They're not stepping into what they're really capable of. You know, just because their fear of being judged and how they'll be perceived. All right. It's massively important. Remember, you know, fail fast. That's what I'm going to, that's all I've got to say about it. 100%. I, I mean, I kept my business going two years, probably too longer because I was so scared of failing that it going under the, 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 the whole ego and like what failure would mean. But actually, it was the best worst year of my life when that business went under. I fucking learned more about everything myself, life relationship and you know i'm sure you went through the similar things when when you had that tough time and and then growed and yeah you're a hundred percent right absolutely love that well this has been an awesome podcast i've loved that you have been one of my absolute favorites to, to interview gordon um so for the listeners because um what i'll do is i'll, I'll get the link for, for your book and put that it in the bio so if people want to buy your book um it'd be i'm i'm gonna go and read it now it sounds like it'd be an absolute great read we know the motto from this i think is live life happy um and 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 i absolutely love that um have you got any final words you want to say to our listeners um for me is just you know embrace who you are in your life like celebrate who you are yeah love who you are be who you are you were born to make a difference. You were born on this planet. You have every, like you can, being you is your, the, the great, your greatest asset. Not who you, when you look externally, when you look at people, yeah, help them guide you, but embrace you. Be everything that you are every single day. Then you'll be happy. Boom, absolutely love that. Mic drop. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. It's really great to have you on the show today. Um, it's been, been awesome. Thank you so much. And for the listeners, um, I'll see you next week on the next episode. Thank you, everyone.